Some of you have been asking about Pastor Randy. Uh, many of you are aware that Randy uh, is facing kidney transplant. He has kidney disease and, and been hoping for that to happen here pretty soon. But this week, Randy took a tumble, and as a result of that tumble, he had to have surgery on his hip on Thursday. I talked with him on Friday. Uh, he was feeling pretty good, said all had gone well. Uh, still uncertain about what lies ahead in relationship to his future. Uh, he'll probably be going into rehab sometime early this week. So if you'd remember Randy and his wife Patsy, Patsy had also taken a fall a little over a week ago, and she's kind of stove up and at home. So if you would remember them, I know that they would truly appreciate your prayers, your thoughts, and such. I know many of you have... Uh, prepared cards for uh, for randy and and uh, you're still welcome to bring those and put them we'll soon be taking those to randy so that he can enjoy those i want to invite you now to join me for a word of prayer father today we thank you for your servant randy and for all your servants we thank you lord that you're with him and lord you're with others in our congregation who are struggling and suffering and lord we pray now that your healing touch would rest upon them all now, Lord, as we hear your word, may there be healing found in your word. May there be inspiration. And, Lord, may your word lead us deeper in our relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, there have been seasons when uh, things have changed radically around the world, and it's caused the church to have to do things differently. Uh, oftentimes, these events have forced the church into new ways, new methods, and, and such. The passage that you heard read just a few moments ago is a passage where that took place in the early church. You see, the early church in Jerusalem, where the church was born, was a church that experienced tremendous growth and unprecedented influence. After the church was born people began becoming followers of Jesus Christ, participating in the life of the church, and the church grew rapidly. And as it grew, it found people, common, ordinary folks, coming to be a part of the church fellowship, as well as religious leaders from among the Jewish nation. As it did, the church increased in its influence. But even though the church was growing, in terms of both the number of people participating as well as in its influence, there was an undercurrent. There was this hostility that was growing among some who were jealous of the church, who really didn't like what was happening. And there came this point in time when the barrier that was blocking the way of this hostility was pricked when a believer by the name of Stephen stood up face-to-face, toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with the religious leaders who were so uh, hostile toward the church, and he told them this message in simple form about who Jesus was and told them what they were doing was not right, and when he did, it just unleashed all their hostility toward him. They ended up killing Stephen by stoning. But not only did they kill Stephen, but it unleashed a hostility toward the believers there in Jerusalem. And people were threatened. Their lives, their, uh, their, their well-being, their families were all in jeopardy as a result of the persecution that broke out. When this happened, 
many of the believers found that they needed to flee from Jerusalem to protect their families. And some traveled a long way from the holy city, hundreds of miles. And there in those new places, they found that they had to do things differently. Life was not the same. Many of those believers who had fled from Jerusalem went to places, to particularly metropolitan areas, where there were these Jewish enclaves, and they found some familiarity of, of living and moving in with, with, with people of the Jewish faith. But there were others who ended up setting it, settling in more uh, cosmopolitan settings where that the predominant culture was that of the Romans and Greeks, and it was very different for the folks. Well, in this new setting, these believers were faced with what will we do with our faith? Our relationship with God as we've found and discovered in Jesus Christ. What will we do with our faith? What will we do with this mission that God has given us to make disciples of all nations? Now, these early believers could have played it safe. They could have said, okay, we'll just kind of keep it all to ourselves. You know, if we just kind of uh, keep a low profile and just talk about it when we're in our homes, when our doors are closed, then we'll be okay. But there was something inside them that wouldn't let them do that. What they had experienced in Jesus, the life-transforming power that had invaded them and changed their lives, the peace that they felt that passed understanding, the joy that filled and flooded their soul, they couldn't keep it to themselves, and they began to share it with others. You see, they could not contain that mission of making disciples. You know, we are living now in one of those historical periods of time of significant change. COVID-19 has changed not only much about the world around us, but it's changed a great deal about the church and how we do church. We now currently find ourselves routinely thinking about how are we going to do things that we used to just do so naturally. In just a couple, or maybe it's even this week, we're going to do a is it this week or next week we're doing the fish fry? It's next week, isn't it? The 29th. You know, and, and it used to be we'd gather people in the, in the gym, and we'd have the gym just overflowing with people. And we've been thinking, how do we do that now with COVID that's going on? But it's not just that. It's kind of almost everything about our church. How do we do church? How do we fulfill our mission? Today, we see that much like in the early church when the persecution broke out, that people of the church are scattered. For those of you who worshiped here in this place prior to the pandemic, you know that there were a lot more people in these seats than they're sitting in these seats today. Today we have about 60 to 65% of the people participating in person as was pre-pandemic. We have another... Uh, 20% or so that are viewing online. And life is just different, and we're kind of scattered about today in a way that, that, quite honestly, as a pastor, doesn't feel that comfortable to me. And maybe it doesn't feel that comfortable to you. And, and, and we are finding that things are so different. Many are saying that 
church, church will not return to what it was before the pandemic. In years or maybe forever in the future. But despite what we're experiencing, the mission that God has called us to do here at OUMC remains the same. God has called us to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We may not be able to do it exactly as we have done it before. We may have to discover new methods, but the mission remains the same. The mission remains the same. For those early believers... We find that they went to new communities and they were scattered, but yet they continued to fulfill their mission. Luke, the author of Acts, gives us a clue about how they did that. And he, his clue shares with us that actually that they did it differently in different contexts. He said that those who settled among the Jewish community that they shared the word with the Jews. But those who settled in those more cosmopolitan Roman Greek settings, it says that they shared the good news of Jesus with those folks. Now, I don't believe that that is an accidental in terms of how he expressed that. Those are two different things that he's talking about here. It's interesting that this word, that there is a single word that translates this idea of sharing the good news. It's a single Greek verb, euangelizo. It's really the combination of two Greek words. E-U, you in Greek, means good. Eulogy, by the way, is good words. You, good. And angelizo, to share good news. Or angelos is good news. Sharing the good news. Now, those of you who've been around church for a while, you've heard the word gospel used. Basically, the word gospel is good news. It's just a different way of saying it. But in thinking about that this week, or last week as I was preparing this sermon, I thought, wouldn't it be a neat exercise if I ask every one of you to take out your smartphones, pull up, mine has uh, Josh Heupel, the UT coach on it for some reason, that's odd, uh, pull, pull out your phones, pull up your, uh, a note, and, and write a summary of the good news. Could you write what the good news is? Could you define it? Could you write it in a few paragraphs? Well, this morning, I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I want to talk with you about what the good news is. And my hope is that while you are listening, you will come to understand more deeply what the good news of Jesus Christ is, how to live that out, and how to share it with others. Now, here in the evangelical South, you know, kind of the uh, buckle of the Bible belt. Uh, most of the time, folks have whittled down the gospel or the good news of God to this. We're all sinners. Jesus died for our sins. 
If we believe in Him, our sins will be forgiven, and when we die, we'll go to heaven. And that becomes, for most, the gospel. Now, I want to quickly say, that is, of course, at the heart of the gospel. That is important. What I've just said is true. But in reality, the gospel is much broader and so much deeper. You see, the good news begins with God's desire for all of creation, both people, planet, and universe. You see, God wants to bring all things to the right. He wants to make them right completely and fully. God wants to have creation around us. We'll call it nature. And human beings, He wants us to become all that He has created us to be. God works to establish this new reality where the whole world and everyone in this world live in harmony with one another and with nature itself. And God reaches out to you and to me to join Him in that divine mission. Now, let me give you a snapshot of what that looks like. The snapshot of this desired reality of God is people, you and me and others, living in peace with each other and working for the benefit of one another. This new reality is marked by justice for all. There is no favored status. There is no favored group. We are all one in Christ Jesus. People treat each other. Guess what? as they want to be treated. People are not self-centered or self-seeking, but give themselves freely to each other. Nature is considered a gift from God, not to be exploited for personal benefit, but to be nurtured and developed for mutual benefit. Benefit both of humanity and creation itself. Living in harmony with creation. In this new reality, people have a deep, meaningful relationship with God, who is the creator and sustainer of all life, have deep and wonderful relationships with each other, and have even a meaningful relationship with themselves. But there's a major barrier, a major, huge barrier, that prevents us from living into this full reality that God so desires. There are forces at work within us and beyond us that block the way to this new reality and keep us in a broken state where we're separated from God and alienated from each other. These forces are always luring us and there is this propensity, this tendency, this nature within you and me to submit to these forces. One of those forces is what one author in one of the great hymns we sing of the faith, our warring madness. You can see this force of warring madness on a macro level as nation rises up against nation. 
And such destruction takes place. But you also can see it on the micro level. As on social media, someone makes a snide comment about somebody else and this war ensues between that person and the other and all their friends as they add into the fray. Other forces tantalize us with the promise to satisfy our longings and our drives if we will submit to them. Whether it be sexual longings and drives or whether it be this desire for a name and for fame and, and, or control everything around us. These forces tend to move us toward injustice by favoring those we like and are like us and wishing bad for those who are different than us. I see it when I watch a football game when my favorite team is playing and somebody on that other team makes a phenomenal play. What I do? I say, hit him, kill him! <laughs> Patty knows. These forces promise us fulfillment to escape from our suffering, a sense of ecstasy. And yet all these forces can do is to lead us to a dark place where we're separated from God's purposes, from God's design, and from the ability to participate with God in ushering in a new reality. We have a real problem. We have a real problem. Most of us want to escape from those forces. We don't like living there. We want to escape. But we can't with our own resources. Let me share with you a metaphor. Imagine for a moment you had the ability to exist in outer space like this guy with the nice tie on. Okay? And you have the desire to go from here to the moon. If you get out in space, it's not any problem because you can exist in space. But you've got one big problem between you and getting to the moon. You have to escape the Earth's gravitational forces. And in order to do that, you have to reach what is called escape velocity, which is approximately 25,000 miles an hour, okay? Pretty fast, right? Pretty fast. Now, imagine you're just a brilliant, and some of you are. Some of you aren't, I can tell by looking at your faces. But some of you are really brilliant. And you could design these fantastic wings that lift you off the ground. I mean, they just lift you up and lift you up. The problem is, with your ability, your strength, your, everything that you've got, your great wisdom, understanding... You cannot, with your own power and resources, reach escape velocity. You may get up real high, be going pretty fast, but when you stop flapping, you're going to come down real fast. Or maybe if you're really good at flapping, you might end up in an orbit around the earth, but eventually your orbit's going to get more narrow and narrow and narrow until you come down, and again, you're going to drop pretty fast at some point. You just don't have the ability on your own to reach escape velocity. 
Now, do you want to hear some good news? Do you want to hear really the good news? Are you sure? Do you want to hear good news? God, through Jesus Christ, gives us the power to have escape velocity over all these forces and to enter into this reality that God has designed for creation, for you and for me. You see, Jesus, who was God, became human, lived as we live, faced all the forces of this world, never submitted to any of these forces, lived fully in relationship with God, lived fully in the reality of God's new creation. And then, all these forces, through everything they had at Jesus... Tapping into earth's institutional two greatest forces, the state and religion. And they came together to hang Jesus on a cross. And there he died, but death could not hold him. He ran through the forces of evil, the forces of this world, the forces that separate people from God. He ran through those forces. They had no power over him, and he was victorious. Amen? That is good news. And through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, God offers to you and me four fabulous gifts. Through Jesus, He offers us the forgiveness of our sins. When we have submitted to these forces, when we fail God, when we've turned away, through Jesus Christ, we are offered forgiveness from God. Nothing standing between you and the Creator of this universe. Nothing holding you back. Forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, the second thing, the second great gift He offers is this. That we are given the escape velocity of the power of these evil forces. In Jesus Christ, these forces no longer have control over you or me. We are given liberation, power over sin. The third great gift that we are given here is that we are able to enter in and live into this new reality. Harmony, peace. We're working for the good of one another. Living life to its max. Living life to its fullest. God, through Jesus, enables us to live into that new reality. And then finally, Jesus invites you and me to join Him in this mission of bringing this new reality into its fullness here on earth. We're invited to join God in what God is doing. Man, that is great news. That is good news. One day, one day, the fullness of God's new reality will be ushered into our midst. It will come in its fullness. All who are in Jesus Christ will experience it 
in its final manifestation. But until then, God sets up these microcosms of new reality. And He invites you and me to live in these microcosms of this new reality. A person who comes to Jesus Christ and says, Lord, help me. I trust you. I'm going to follow you. And into that life comes this new reality. Many of you have experienced it, and you've seen others experience it. You know what I'm talking about. He comes in these microcosms sometimes of a household, this family, where Jesus is Lord and, and the family lives together in this holy relationship. He comes with a microcosm of this new reality as a small group of believers gather and live out life together in its fullness. This new reality comes as the body of Christ. Local churches gather and live out the life in Christ together. When the Jerusalem refugees settled in Antioch, they began sharing the good news. They may have used a little bit different language than I used here this morning, but they shared this good news. And God began to move in the hearts of people who heard and saw the good news and people were transformed. They then began to turn to Jesus and entered into a relationship with Him. Today, our mission of making disciples goes on, and we are called by God to make disciples. I'm not sure of all the methods. I'm not sure what it's going to look like tomorrow, but I know this. The mission continues, and it will involve us sharing the good news by what we say, what we communicate, how we live out our lives and how we serve our neighbors. And if we'll do that faithfully, we'll be amazed at what God does. This morning, I hope that you've heard and understand more about the fullness of the good news. Now maybe you're here and you've learned more but you think, you know, I really am not following Jesus, and I want to start following Jesus. As our band in a moment leads us in our final song, I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus if you haven't already done so, or if you've drifted away from Jesus, that you would come back and let us join in this great adventure of living into and out of that new reality through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, today we pray that you would speak to us as only you can do. And Lord, let us begin today enjoying this new reality through Jesus Christ. Amen.